Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am your founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. And with me today is Amanda Wood. And here's a bit about Amanda. She is an accomplished Texas artist with a passion for creating gorgeous books gorgeous both abstract botanically inspired forms and beautiful figure sculptures. It's important to note that as a sculptor, she's most mostly self-taught. That's incredible, y'all. Her gift for form and design were realized after an invitation from another artist to participate in an Austin studio tour. Over 10 years as an artist, Amanda has appeared in many Austin art shows and has garnered recognition in the art community. Now a new resident of the Houston area, she's navigating her way through new gallery and online art sale opportunities. She's proven she's not afraid to take risks with unusual shapes and forms to complete beautiful new pieces. And without further ado, we're going to unpack some creativity that is sparking her art sculptures with Amanda Wood. Hi, nice to meet with you today. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, Amanda. Before we dive into um, creating your way through craft and art, I want to know a fun fact or interesting fact about you that, you know, definitely my community doesn't know, but maybe your community doesn't know about you. Hmm. Well, uh, when I was a baby, I moved overseas with my parents. I was born in New Jersey, and at about nine months old, we moved to Iran, of all places. Uh, And it's changed a lot over the years, but in the early 70s, it was still a pretty safe place to live, and it was pretty cool. And then we lived country after country after country until about 85. Five, and that's when we moved back to the States. So I was raised overseas. So I think my experience overseas kind of changes the way I look at things and the things that I'm grateful for and um, the way I approach my art too. I think there's a lot of that culture and symbolism that sort of comes through. That is super cool. And I love to hear um, stories of people who have lived overseas because it definitely gives you a different perspective. And I maybe I'm a little biased because my dad was from uh, Curaçao, so right off the tip of Venezuela. And my mom is West Indian, so she's Caribbean descent. And it's pretty cool just to um, have parents come from two different parts of the world and intersect. So I do like Um, to hear people's stories whenever they get to travel and submerge themselves in different cultures um, and societies outside of, you know, their dominant one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you think about all the fun things that you craft and you make and et cetera, what is one? No, I want to take that back. What's one of your um, best-selling pieces and why? Hmm. Well, I have some sculptures that I've made where they have creatures coming out of their hair, like butterflies or birds, that sort of thing. And they're suspended from wires. Uh, I've really gotten a really great response with those. I even drove one out to my first 
my first big purchase was from a guy in California and he loved the piece so much and wanted to pay like cash for it and everything. But he, well, once we added up the shipping for what it would cost to ship this full size bust <laughs> to California, he was like, yeah, I don't know. But it turned out that we were planning a vacation anyway. And the kids had been bugging me to go to, to Disney World or to Disneyland, I guess in California. So we decided to make a road trip out of it. And we drove all the way from Austin <laughs> to California for my first big sale. <laughs> so we had dropped this piece off. So we went, we went all the way, like we went through, um, we went through the Grand Canyon, we went through Vegas, <laughs> which my husband was happy about. And then we ended up in California and dropped this piece off in Laguna Beach, which I loved and would there in a second if I could it was so beautiful but that was my, my first big sale and those pieces are they go over pretty big because they're kind of unusual that is amazing um I've never been to California but I would love to go um my sister is a diehard Cali fan she lived there for a bit when she was stationed in Port Wyneme so she's always telling me how great it is and whenever you think about just allowing your work to speak for itself. What are some of the inspiration for your pieces, Amanda? Well, for me, it's about learning to let go because I think that's something so many of us struggle with. And I find that even with my art, that's one place that I go where time just falls away, everything melts away and it's just me and what I'm doing with my hands. And it's sort of that, that childlike spark, you know, when you're coloring and two hours go by and you don't know where the two hours went, you know? So for me, that's, that's sort of where, where it lies is, okay, well, then if I feel like all the time is falling away and all the stress and all the worries is, is falling away and I'm letting go, how can I communicate that? So I try to find visuals with things being free, falling away, letting go, blossoming, that sort of thing. Mm. So you start with just just freeing yourself, just getting in your zone. And then whatever you create, then you're rocking and rolling with it. But then I know you do um, with the clay. Um, so do you teach any like pottery classes or to help people who are interested in learning how to sculpt? I'm getting ready to launch a class in air dry clay. And the great thing about air dry clay is that you don't need a kiln or you don't even have to bake it in an oven. It just dries in the open air. So anybody could do it. Um, a kiln, it's a little difficult to get access to a kiln <laughs> and to buy one yourself. It's several thousand dollars. So um, finding some of these pottery centers that will fire your work for you is getting more difficult because the kilns are getting more and more technologically advanced, which is also ramping up the cost of these kilns. So some of these clay centers are no longer firing work for people anymore. So I'm finding that, okay, well, I'm going to have to pivot and find ways that people could just make sculpture at home that's less limiting. And this air dry clay is a good, a good solve for that. So I'm getting ready to launch a class for that. That I made this little owl for that class <laughs> it's made out of air dry clay and it's it's stylized very simple um sort of modern abstract piece so in in that class people are going to learn how to make this and I'm also going to be giving this away too so that's super cool and how long did it take you to make that piece Amanda it took me about two days but then it took about three days for it to dry and you have to let it dry very slowly under like a sheet of plastic 
so it won't crack because it's shrinking. We want it to shrink down very slowly. If it shrinks too quickly, it'll crack. So if you let it go really slow and dry very slowly under the plastic, then you know when it's ready, you take the plastic off. Like when it's almost dry, you can take that plastic off. And when it's completely dry, you could sand it down if you wanted, or you could just leave the little finger marks, which a lot of people think are really cool. And then with a piece like that, you could either spray paint it or paint it with acrylics and put a little sealer on it. The only drawback to the air dry clay is it's not waterproof, so you couldn't put it outside. There is another product that I'm going to do soon. It's Paltia, and that one, it's almost like a concrete and fiberglass kind of a thing. And when you sculpt with that, it's, it's watertight. And so you could put it outside and leave it out there. <laughs> oh, that'll be pretty cool because then you could actually um, put that in your front yard or etc. And I know there are some sculptures that people put in their front yard. So what what are those made out of? Most of those are concrete. Concrete, so okay. Some some I'm starting to find are made out of fiberglass and just painted, but a lot of most of them are concrete the really expensive ones are bronze you know the ones with the big elaborate fountains and things like that but um that's a little bit difficult for some people to attain <laughs> so the concrete tent yeah it's usually the bird feeders and the gnomes and um sometimes you see some pretty sophisticated ones too little figurines out there in the yard yeah depending on what um what part of the city you're driving through because I'm also in Houston as well so like if you drive through like a Memorial City area some of the homes over there they have like the water fountains the bird baths and they may have some other ones out there but I do know if you're like heading up to the Dallas area and you're going like up 290 and you do the highway six to like I don't know if it's like Brenham or anything there's like when you're turning that curve there's a um shop there where there's like a bunch of sculptures and stuff that's out I don't I don't know if you're familiar with what I'm talking about that um we moved to Houston about well Katie just outside of Houston about a little over two and a half years ago so by the time I got the house all settled and got everything set got my studio all set up then this COVID thing started happening so I haven't really been anywhere in a while so but I'm just sort of venturing out now so okay nice you definitely have to get out and you could probably even sell some of your pieces at um the farmer's markets they do some in town lake and bridgeland and etc and uh, I've had my eye on those two pieces that are off to my right but maybe your left the the gray pieces what are those Amanda these are brought it's heavy oh um, so these are bronze sculptures and they start out in clay, like an oil-based clay, kind of like, I don't, I don't know if you've ever played with plasticine when you were a kid. It's kind of like Play-Doh, but with an oily base and it never dries out. It's just powdered clay, ball clay, and some oil and some waxes added to it. And so it never dries and you sculpt in it. And then because it never dries, it doesn't really shrink and, um, it's easy for them to make a mold of it because the, the mold just kind of pops off when it's oil clay. And then they do a little ceramic shell and pour molten bronze in it from the bottom. Then they chip off that ceramic shell and then you have this guy and they've put a patina on it for me. I have a, a couple of different series. Um, this one is a sculpture of my nephew and he has 
these cool little antlers. I don't know. I just, I like to do these little future gods and goddesses. They're kids, but, you know, we're teaching them to be these really strong, ethical, powerful adults when they grow up. And I, I kind of look at them that way. Um, somebody told me years ago, I'm not raising a boy, I'm raising a man. And so she instills certain things in her boys. And that really got me thinking, you know, that, that we really are raising the future generation of who's gonna run this place. And we want them to be strong and confident and ethical. Um, that other one is called Verbius. This one is Diana. That means goddess of the hunt. So she also has an antler set on her head. Did you make both of those, Amanda? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, wow. They scrap. look heavy because just the way you were grabbing it, you're like, whoa. <laughs> it's, it's solid metal, pretty much, pretty close to solid. And then this base is granite. So, and then this white stuff, it, I mean, it just looks like bronze, like like a muted brass when they pull it out and then they they polish it and get it all burnished and nice finish on it and then they put this patina on it and I wanted a white patina it's a chemical reaction that happens with the metal and then they put like a sealer on it when it's finished so this could sit outside you know it's probably a little small to stick outside but if it were bigger you know you could put it outside so how long did it take you to make um, those two pieces, Amanda? Um, it took a few, about three weeks to sculpt them. But when I put things through the bronze foundry, they have kind of a long pipeline, you know, so it could take maybe four months to get a piece like that back. So I submit it, it goes through all of its channels and checks and I go and visit. Yes, the wax cast looks good. Let's, let's go to the bronze version. Yes, the bronze version looks good. Now we're going to polish it up with the patina. I'm signing off on it. So it is a very long process and it takes a lot to make them. So they're at a very different price point when they're bronze because my expense is so much higher. So let's just say, um, just to have, and they don't ever do just one. They want you to do have, have like a series of three or something because it's not really worth it to them to go through all of that for just one. So um, <laughs> let's just say it's hundreds of dollars for me to make one, <laughs> just one. So, but the regular clay, like the ceramic clay is much more affordable for me to work with, um, but it, it still takes some time, especially when it's figurative work, because there's a lot of correction to making it um, a real likeness to another person. So it, it takes a while to get you know, the cheekbones even, the eyes even, and the lips even. So now that I'm getting older, my vision is changing. <laughs> so my depth perception is very different from what it was. So one day it looks good, and the next day I come back and it's not. So I have to go back and make some corrections, but that's okay. <laughs> Oh, nice. And then do you do custom work, Amanda? Like say someone comes to you and they're like, Amanda, I have to have this piece. And they're like, okay, I already sketched it out and they just give it to you and you make it. Or is that I not? A I don't typically do commissions anymore. I used to, but I've stopped doing it because um, I have so many ideas. <laughs> I just want to make what I want to make. And it's just more fun for me to make that. So I make it. I sell it, I 
if you love it, you buy it. And I just keep making more. And because when you do commissions, it kind of kind of shuts down your your production line for a while. So I find that for me, I just prefer to make things and make them available. So I usually find the right buyer. So cool. Thank you for um, letting me know that part. And then here in Houston, I know you're um, fairly new to the area still two years in. There is a thing called the art car um, parade where people different artists they'll put different things on the cars mm -hmm. have you heard, heard about that yeah I know somebody that there was a, a private school that was doing that um St. Francis was doing one yeah so what are your thoughts about like maybe partnering up with like an art car parade or even the local schools because I know there are um different schools that have some art programs but they're not as advanced as others and with the work that you do it's phenomenal just by some of the pieces you've shown and I think that would be really good because different kids um will embrace their creativity via various means Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah, I have. I hadn't thought about partnering with anybody. That's a good idea. I'm open to that. Very open. Yeah, I think you should definitely look into it. And I know art is like so therapeutic for some of the kids that are dealing with um, special needs and um, different challenges. And it helps them, you know, heighten their skills in that area. Like I know when I was working with some of the special needs kids, they were amazing artists whether they were sketching something or whether they were building something I was like oh wow that's really good the best thing I could build is maybe some play-doh or some stick figures or something and call it a day because we're all good at something you know yeah. and it's hard for everybody and I'm finding that more and more as time goes on and I have two daughters and it's never been more apparent you know it's you see things come out and some of it's genetic, which is very interesting to me, where I think you got that from your grandfather, you know, and you see it carry on. It's fascinating. So what else in, what else um, goes on in the world of a sculptor? Like, what does your day look like? It's different from a painter. Um, I have a lot of tools and I need a big space. And my studio space is much smaller than what I had in Austin. So uh, I have to get creative. So I split my space between what was somebody's office in this house. Um, and then I have, we have a third car garage and I've kind of taken that over as well. So my kiln is out in the third car garage. And so my studio is, is here in this, what was an office space. And so I take the kids in the morning to school and come back and I have a little breakfast. And um, sometimes I sculpt in my PJs. <laughs> bunny slippers on <laughs> but uh you know I come out here and I start whittling away at things or um like this piece is not finished yet I haven't totally finished the surface treatment on it yet but it's you can see it very well it's abstract botanical piece and it has petals just sort of it's an organic petal piece like it's almost like it's growing I don't know um I'm kind of fascinated with botanicals lately. That's just been my focus. So um, I sit out here and I form each petal and then I give it a texture and then I, I take little bits of clay and I attach them together and gradually it, it comes up in height. So I'm 
starting at the bottom and coming up to the top. So um, there's a lot of start and stop because I'm the one that drops off the kids and picks them up and all of that. So I have to keep everything wet because this is ceramic. So I keep it under plastic um, until it's finished. Um, when I'm not working on it, it's sitting under plastic, staying moist. Um, but uh, once it's dry, and it usually takes about two to three weeks to dry if it's something like this. If it's a big piece, it could take a couple of months to dry, to be honest. So I wait for it to dry, and then I'll put it in my ceramic kiln that's in the garage, and I'll fire it for a couple of days. I have a very slow firing process, and it just goes up at about 60 degrees an hour until it hits about 2,000 degrees, and then it slowly comes down. Because if you fire too quickly, these delicate pieces, like pottery, you don't have to be as delicate with. But all these little joints in here, are stress points. They're very delicate. So if it pulls away too quickly, is it shrinking? It'll break. And so that we don't want. <laughs> wow. Can that piece go outside? Um, it could, it could. It's so small. I'd be afraid that it would blow over. Ceramic pieces, depending on how ornate it is. I, I, especially in some place like Texas, where we get hail and high winds and um, erratic freezes that we <laughs> have to deal with. Uh, you have to be careful with ceramics with that, you know. So, um, so I tend to say that these are more for indoors, especially when they're delicate like this. So, um, but yeah, so then um, I get it finished and uh, sometimes I'm in the garage with the power tools, you know, when the garage doors are open or I'm in the driveway and I've got circular saws and sanding tools and drills going. Sometimes I'm, I'm building a, a new workbench for myself or I'm building like a sculpture stand or a base for a sculpture. And you can see these guys driving by going, get that skinny little girl throw around those big power tools. And the neighbors are like, be careful, you're gonna injure yourself. But yeah, it's, it's funny. And I just picture all the noise and the, and the saws and but, you know, I don't feel too bad because I know a lot of my neighbors have been having work done on their house. So they've got some construction going on, so they're probably used to it by now. So, yeah, and I'm sure the men probably drive by and they're probably intimidated because they're like, man, that lady's over there handling that. <laughs> Get after it. So it's oh, I like power tools. I got comfortable with them in college because when I had to take my sculpture one and two classes, they threw you right in there into the, they had like a little wood shop off the sculpture studio and you had to get in there and work with the tools and you know, we had all the safety goggles on and they taught you all the safety protocol and how to handle everything without injuring yourself. So I got pretty comfortable and I'm always, you know, watching my thumbs and digits, making sure nothing is in the way. <laughs> Do you have anyone else in your family that is a sculptor like you, or is it just something that you just grew to love over time, especially after your friend made an impression on you as well? Yeah, well, my mother, uh, she had a ceramic kiln in the house when I was a teenager. And so she would make uh, ceramic, uh, you know, like the, the, the Santa Clauses and the Christmas trees, that sort of thing. So pouring into a mold and then popping it out of a mold and forming it from there and then painting it. Um, so she wasn't making things from scratch, um, but she was definitely making things and firing them. So I think I was pretty comfortable having a ceramic kiln 
around the house because it can be a little bit intimidating having something that can go up a couple thousand degrees, you know, <laughs> worrying about what's going to happen. And it, especially now that they're very high tech, it's kind of intimidating, but you, know, you get the hang of it. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of where that came from. And then I have an uncle who was also very artistic. Like he used to carve uh, ducks and all sorts of things out of wood and they were so elaborate and so beautiful but I know a lot of people wanted some but he kept them all <laughs> he kept them all for himself it was more of a hobby so wow that's really really um cool to hear because whenever you talk to different people, um, you find out that there are some little traces and nuggets that were deposited in them at a young age and they didn't think anything of it. And then you find out what they're doing now and they're like, oh yeah, well actually, and they think back and like, there was someone that, you know, made an imprint on me and you never know how that imprint is driving the impact that you see today. So I always like to ask that question because then you're able to see how the dots connect. That same uncle, um, he and his wife, my aunt Odette, they used to always buy me these, um, you know, those big Crayola paint sets, you know, the kits with the, with the color pencils and the paints and the this. And so I, you know, growing up overseas, you know, I, I was alone a lot because I was in some, some countries where you had to be really careful. So I couldn't really go out and play by myself or I probably would have disappeared forever. But, but uh, so they kept me inside a lot. So I would just color and paint for hours and hours. That was sort of my life, you know. Wow. And when you think about all the things that we've discussed today on this segment, I want you to leave our listeners and viewers with your call to action for this segment or some gems. And it could be something that educates, inspires, and motivates to complement the core pillars, or maybe even a lifestyle gem that will cause them to think outside of the box and really tap into their inner creativity via crafts. Okay. Well, um, I am launching my class in clay. So that's, that's coming. Um, and I really want people to, um, there are a lot of painting classes out there, you know, but I find that there are not as many for sculpting. And so I was thinking, you know, it's a great thing to be able to share something like that and to teach people to lose themselves in something like clay. It's very therapeutic and it grounds you. Like you start to really think about things a little bit differently when you're more grounded that way you know like they say it's it's good to go stand outside with no shoes on because it grounds you but working with your hands and something like that is the same kind of thing and I think that so often many of us find ourselves just sitting on our phones and scrolling aimlessly we're not making anything we're not creating anything we're just <laughs> burning our time um, but I think that we could actually do something positive you know with building something, making something, and getting lost in that. And I think that it's a good idea to, to do something that's grounding, meaningful, you know? So how can they um, sign up for the class? Is it going to be something you do face-to-face -face or virtually? Virtually. Um, I'm going to launch it in a few days. Uh, it's almost ready to go. I'll have it. I'll put a link in my social media, so on Instagram and on my website, so they can sign up there. And for now, uh, Instagram is the best place to link up with me. I love to, to connect with people on Instagram and it's so much easier. I just put my stuff there. <laughs> 
and I've had people connect with me through that. So it's interesting because uh, with everything that we've been through over the last couple of years, it's really changed the way a lot of artists function. And instead of waiting to get into a gallery, a lot of artists are now just connecting with people through social media and, and selling their art that way. It's really taking off. So what's your Instagram handle, Amanda, so they could reach out? Amanda Robin Wood. And then my website is also amandarobinwood.com. Amazing. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and you just heard Amanda Wood. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. So I want to challenge you to release your inner creativity via crafts, whether it's sculptures, whether it's painting, whether it's something that just takes you out of your crazy busy schedule and just frees your mind and just creates a beautiful masterpiece. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We're on 40 plus platforms. Leave us a review. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, or any questions you have. And I'll make sure I get them over to Amanda. And follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. And as you know, we're continuing to build out the mission here on Gems Podcast. There is merchandise. And we're also looking for brand sponsors. All of the information can be found on genesisamariskemp.net for more info. So until we chat next next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS G-E-M-S with W-I-T-H Genesis G-E-N-E-S-I-S Amaris A-M-A-R-I-S Kemp K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.